Okay, star children, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I am your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Yeah, boo on pretending. Boo on sense. Boo on prejudice. Boo on the patriarchy. Boo on Erica Jane. Oh my god, I was just gonna say that. I literally was just gonna say that. Well, we'll get to her. Oh my god. Hi everyone. We missed you. Yeah, if you're a regular listener, we've been gone for a little while. We took a break. And if this is your first time, you're in for a treat. (laughs) You're in for us unfiltered. We took a Mercury retrograde pause. Yes. The intention was for it to be a break for us. Oh, but it, but no. Oh, Mercury retrograde had <laughs> other plans. But again, more on that later. Let's introduce yeah. ourselves. Okay. Uh, I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a film producer and an astrologer and teacher of all things mystical. Yes, queen. Yes. Queeler. Queeler. Quarpenter. Corpender. Remember when you said you were a corpender? (laughs) I don't know why. What did I put together? We put together the dresser. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you can just queer up anything. And that's me. More of a quassembler. Very much so. Oh, my God. What about a croissant? (laughs) (laughs) Just a queer croissant? I want somebody to draw me a picture of like a little croissant with like eyes and like waving like like a pride flag. All right. That's a that's an ask for any a, of you artists out there. It'd be a croissant. Cute. <laughs> I don't know why that thrills me. I mean, he loves a, a word pun. I'm Brandon Alter. I am an Aquarius, which means I love a pun. I am a spiritual healer, a tarot reader, an astrologer, and a teacher of these things. And I'm also a writer and a performer. And together we are the spiritual gaze. Whoops. Okay. Okay. And we're a little punchy because we have been vibing on the spiritual plane all day yes we led a breathwork session today which honestly was like it was kind of one of my favorites that we've ever done yeah it was a great breathwork session yeah i mean we had taken a break from the breathworks as well so it was like cool to come back with everyone and... we took a break from everything except for life <laughs> except for yeah, which was like i'm chaos. not done with you motherfuckers. chaos was like oh no i'm gonna hang out with you for a while oh you have more space and time for madness <laughs> So it's probably good that we're back to work because it's a focus. That is true. We also uh, had one of our spiritual gaze experience readings, which is a new reading that we've been doing. It's a joint reading. Um, Someone had mentioned like wanting that from us. Like, do you guys ever do readings together? And then we had a friend mention that we should do it. So we were like, all right, it was, you know, it was Gemini season. So we're like, it came to us twice. Let's do it. And now we've done a a handful of them and it's been really rewarding and fun. And you know, what's interesting is I was texting with Harriet and the star today, who's one of our favorite witches. Yes. Not one of our, our favorite witch. Yes. And I realized the last time that the three of us had been on a text chain, the last text she had sent to us was, do you guys ever do readings together? Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, Clearly, we should have been doing this for a while. Damn it. We never listen. So, yes. <laughs> if you want to treat yourself, the Spiritual Gaze Experience, you get both of us. It's a combination astrology reading with a little bit of tarot thrown in there when you need it. And uh, we love to do it. Yeah. And then I took a nap. He took a long nap and I took a hike in the 90 degree weather because that's what you do. 
Yeah. When you need to relax or when you just know need to go push yourself to the utmost extreme and speak to nature, which I did. What did nature have to say? She uh, said, girl, I'm hot. <laughs> she said, you're a fool. Just <laughs> <laughs> out there alone up in like the just desert dirt of the hills by myself, just sweating my ass off. So foolish, but it was, it did feel good. Well, and then I made you fresh watermelon juice. Mm, delish. Which you revealed you really dislike. You don't like the taste of watermelon. I don't, guys. I just, I don't. It has a weird taste for me. I was over at my friend Phoebe's house yesterday, and we sat in her kid's tiny treehouse to have some privacy away from her kids. <laughs> and it was very cancer season because she's a cancer, and I was sitting in her tiny treehouse. And then she made me watermelon juice. Actually, that's not true. Her kid, Augie, made us watermelon juice, of and course. it was phenomenal. And I was like, how have I never done this before? Well, now you did. So I did it today. And you did a fantastic job. I mean, I drank it, and I don't like watermelon at all, but I did have multiple sips. You had like three sips. I had some gulps. So you wouldn't have to taste it. Yeah, if you gulp it down, the taste kind of flies right by your tongue. Well, I did it with like a bunch of ice and a splash of orange juice. I thought it was frothy and refreshing. And It looked beautiful. It's going to be my summer staple. I'm so excited for you to have that. Thank you. And I'll find my summer staple. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll find a, a fruit that I really love. I'll make like some pineapple popsicles. Yeah, I mean, I would be here for that. Can you get like pineapple or like popsicle, like, you know, like a mold mold? Sure. All right. I'm going to find that. (laughs) This is riveting content for everyone out there. This is what happens when you take a break. It's very cancer season content, right? I guess. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about blankets now. Okay. I mean, not that it's really blanket season. Unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then you might be covering yourself in blankets. For sure. And some of you who listen are in the Southern Hemisphere. In this household, the way Angel cranks the AC, I'm always covering myself with a blanket. That is true. Should we do a check-in? Oh, yeah, like an official. Check-in? What's going on with you? Yeah. You know where you'd like drop into your heart and you share the meaningful bits? Oh, I like that. I know that that's meaningful to people when we... When we check in. Yeah. So uh, who wants to take the elevator down first? Oh, wow. You do it. Okay. I'll take the elevator down. So Mercury retrograde for me was centered around uh, my mom and a really scary health crisis that in some ways kind of came out of nowhere. My mom has been battling cancer for six years, and the narrative has kind of been that, like, they've got it under control. I mean, she's gone through many, many treatments, and it's been not easy, but it always seemed like we were a step ahead of it. And then a couple weeks ago, my brother and I just got a call from my uncle that my mom had just gotten critically ill and had been in the hospital for some time. But all of a sudden, just like got critically ill, non-responsive, and was being rushed down to the ICU. So my brother and I kind of like dropped everything, packed a bag, and just went down to San Diego. And we lived at her house and took care of her dog and visited her in the hospital every day. And there was probably a week where I was having to start to wrap my head around the fact that like my mom may not be here. And that was really hard and really unexpected. And simultaneously, as a spiritual human and as a spiritual healer, 
there was a lot that I felt like I needed to do to try to support her at that time. And I also believe that we have a lot of power about the trajectory of our lives. And I wanted to hold a high vision for her. And I believe in miracles too. So I also wanted to light a candle, theoretically, and also literally, obviously, for like miraculous possibilities. And she took a miraculous turn for the better, which was incredible to witness. And, you know, they talk about institutions like hospitals and libraries as being connected to Pisces mm -hmm. because they're these like large institutions that are kind of a world unto themselves. And I never really understood that entirely until I spent two weeks every day in a hospital. And I was like, oh, this is a different dimension. You're like, I am in the 12th house. Oh, my God. Yeah, 100%. And of course, Jupiter's in Pisces, which is in my 12th house. And like any good astrologer, I was trying to make sense of both my experience and my mom's experience based on the astrology. And this all took place during not just Mercury retrograde, but also during eclipse season. And she had this liver procedure that ended up making her critically ill and sending her to the ICU that happened on that lunar eclipse in Sagittarius, which is her moon. Oh. And then those two weeks in between eclipses is when she literally had a dance with death, as she told me. She, like, one day was in the ICU, and I was sitting next to her, and she was like, I had a dance with death last night. And I said, what? And she's like, yeah, I had this dream that I was dancing with death. And it was very like dancing with the stars. And I had this white dress on and he looked very handsome. And she said, it was a beautiful dance. And I just made it clear to him that I'm not ready to go. And so she continued to get better and get better. And I was kind of like, if she can make it past that solar eclipse in Gemini, I think she'll be okay. And so she did. And then literally on the full moon in Capricorn two weeks later, which is the official end of eclipse season, mm -hmm. she moved from the hospital back home. So it was a very wild experience. Yeah. What do you feel like you took from it the most, like for yourself? It's a really good question. It was quite a class. It was quite a class that life taught me over these last few weeks. First and foremost is just that like, we have no idea how much time we actually have, so do it now. Just, like, stop waiting around to do the thing. Like, stop waiting around to tell people how you feel. Stop waiting around to write that book or just do that thing, you know? No time like the present. And maybe we all have unlimited time. Great. But let's not live that way. So that's the first takeaway. I think the second takeaway, too, was really just reinforcing that spiritual work works because I wasn't really in a place to be able to do a lot of healing work for my mom because I was just not in a grounded neutral and it's really not good to do any sort of spiritual work when you're not in a grounded neutral. So I reached out to what I realized is a incredibly robust community of healers that I have that were able to hold me up and hold my mom up. And I really credit a lot of her miraculous turnaround to the like onslaught of spiritual help and healing that was being sent her way. And I was told things that I won't repeat, but I was told things that were just like really disheartening by all different sorts of medical professionals and family members. And I just 
put up like a shield against those things. And I was just like, I'm not going to agree to that as true. I'm not going to agree to that as true. And I also learned that at the end of the day, my mom's journey with wellness is also her own. And there's only so much I can do to actually support because it's her road to walk and I can cheer on the sidelines and come in with like water and like a sweat towel or one of those like silver blankets they give the marathon runners after they're done. But that's about it. That's all you can really do. You can't fight people's battles for them. And so all of those things were reinforced. And there was a lot of joy and beauty. I got to spend, you know, two weeks in the same house with my younger brother, who's a Gemini, whom I adore. So that was a nice bright spot to that Gemini season. And I still have my mom. Mm -hmm. But it was a hell of a time. Yeah. It was a hell of a time. <laughs> and you're still surfacing and it's still in process. Um, oh, yeah. and I think I'm just like beginning to unpack, you know, because when you're in that sort of situation, the immediacy of it and there's just always something to be tending to. Yeah. And I don't think I did like the best job of taking care of myself. It's just very easy to ignore yourself to some degree when there's just so much needing to be done and the stakes are so high. I mean, I didn't do like the worst job. I also have to say, like, I'm so glad I don't smoke pot. Like, I remember when my mom got her first surgery on this cancer journey like six years ago, and I went down there and was trying to be of help. And I just like couldn't wait until the end of the day. I could just like come home to her house and just like get high as a fucking kite, you know? And that had its purpose at that time. And I don't resent who I was, but being able to be fully present for this journey was really meaningful and it allowed me to kind of like stay in real time with it, even though there are like layers and layers and layers of unpacking. So that's where I've been, babies. That's where I've been. I know that's a lot. I probably like, I don't have a therapist right now, so I probably need to get a therapist <laughs> to hold space for me to talk we're, about all of this. We're working on finding you one, honey. Uh, um, so thanks for listening, everybody. You're navigating it very well. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm navigating it pretty well. Sometimes I feel like it would be so much easier if I allowed myself to navigate things poorly. Like if I didn't put such a pressure on myself, you know, to like always move in the world as like a spiritual healer and teacher. And I just like let myself act badly sometimes or just like be messy. Well, you can. I know. It's just, it's just hard for me. And I will say like coming back, something I'm realizing is in some ways how I'm still playing really small. Like in some ways how I'm still hiding myself. And I really want to like fucking stop doing that. So I'm just saying it here. Because I'm sure some people are like, you, you hide yourself. Because <laughs> I know I'm aware of how I am in the world. But I really am still. Like I'm still not fully myself in the world. And I just like want to stop that shit. How are you, honey? What's going on with you? Um, well, uh, yeah, this break was, um, not really a break as we've said. Um, but it was definitely like full of a lot of real, like personal growth and some revelations just hearing you say, um, talking about being messy. I actually like, um, recognize how I actually leaned into like being messy. Um, you know, in these last few months, after, you know, my dad's death and still navigating through that. And it actually felt like I 
just this past week, you know, we had Father's Day and I visited his grave for the first time because it had just finally gotten all put in and like the the headstone. And so that was like really interesting, you know, and I'm still like closing up a lot of chapters, but I'm like really feeling like it's like just such a like sliding doors moment for me, you know, like I'm really entering into like a very new world. You know, my, my parents lived in the house I grew up in for 40 plus years. And, you know, we just, my mom just sold it, you know, and, and has moved, you know, has moved out and, and it just like dawned on me that like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like I'm never going to set foot in that house again. Like it's not mine. It's not ours anymore. Like I can't go back and just like kind of walk in, which feels really kind of shocking to think about because it's been a part of my life for so long and maybe as a cancer moon too, like just like that connection to like home. But at the same time, it was never like a place that I went to and like sunk into comfort. Like it, it had like a, a challenging, <laughs> you know, or I had a challenging relationship with it. Um, cause I, I didn't always have a lot of, I didn't have all good memories there. So it's just interesting. Um, seeing that shift, you know, my mom's getting on a plane, you know, in a week to move across the country, like just all of these things that are really shifting and changing and evolving, but like in a major way. And, um, it's thrilling on some level, I'll say, just to kind of like, be like, all right, here we go. Like wheel of fortune change, you know, just turning, turning, but at the same time, it, um, yeah, I can't help but to just be a little like, whoa, all right, this is a new level of my life. And I had like this really like interesting kind of revelation too the other day um, because on Father's Day, I was handed like an old picture of myself that my sister had just grabbed. It was like one of the last things that she had grabbed when she was leaving the old house that I had missed somehow. And it was like a, basically like my grad, I think it was my high school, my senior graduation photo. So it's like 17 year old me. And staring at it, I was just like, so kind of like, whoa, this guy really fucking hated himself. Like just would stare in the mirror and be like, I hate you. Like, why are you here? You know, just like, like I had, well, that's the whole thing, right? It's like I would I would look at these pictures of myself and be like, whoa, that guy. You know, it's like almost like you can displace yourself. But I realized like I was like, oh no, like that was me. Like I <laughs> I was in that bathroom staring in the mirror saying, I hate you so much, you know? And that that is still in me in some way. Though I've grown and I love myself now and I haven't looked in the mirror and said I hate you in a long, 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 long time. I actually like probably more than more than anything, look in the mirror and be like, look at you, cutie. You know, <laughs> but like still, I still have like self-loathing moments in the mirror for sure. So to know that like the root of that moment in time of my life is still planted in me. And I think sometimes, even especially from like a spiritual perspective, we can be like, you know, we've evolved and 2.0 and, you know, 
the new version of you. And I realize that it's like so important for me to like remember that like I can't erase an old version and replace it with like new and improved and more confident because that's really just it's spiritual bypassing. Yeah, exactly. Is what it is. In your own yeah, yeah. on yourself. And it was good to kind of sit with him and uh and I am in therapy right now and had a really like powerful therapy session because it happened like right before therapy and I was just like fucking like at the bottom because I was like really just like wanting to sit with that kid and and realize that like I had to sit with myself, you know? And I had to sit with myself and be like, I am a man who has hated himself at the core. And if I haven't fully like pulled that part of me forward and embraced it and like loved it with my whole heart, then perhaps that's why I find myself struggling to fully feel confident in my creative work or fully feel confident in my body or fully feel confident, like, you know, just in public spaces sometimes because I'm moving in through all of that with this core sense of like, I hate me so much. Yeah. True personal growth requires a no child left behind policy. Mm, Totally. And it makes me think about soul retrieval work, honestly, because when you get a soul part back, that soul part is at the age where they were when they left you. Right. And then your job is to literally catch them up to where you are now. So in the interest of wholeness, all these parts of ourselves that we struggle with, we need to take them along so that they can grow up to the age that we are now. Yeah. So that 19-year-old angel who hated himself, and it's interesting that your sister gave you a photo. It's almost like a form of soul retrieval. Like she Mm -hmm. reminded you of that aspect of yourself, you know, and he wasn't anywhere outside of you. He was here inside of you. But it's like, how do you mature him? Yeah, and how do I like let him know that he is loved and and can love himself? Right. As opposed to like shoving him away. Right which then becomes a shadow part. Yeah. And 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 attaching shame to that period of time. Totally. So, you know, just some light fare for the week. Bitch, it's cancer season. It's cancer season. There ain't nothing light in cancer season. Feel the feelings, bitch. I Feel know. all the feels. Everyone's talking about like hot girl summer, and I'm just like, to me, it just feels like sad girl summer. <laughs> You're going to have that summertime sadness? I'm going to have that summertime sadness all summer. That's me okay. and my watermelon juice. Look, everyone can experience it in their own way. And maybe, you know, the Leo season will brighten it some. Yeah. But also, isn't hot girl summer just like a desperate reach to gloss over sad girl summer? For sure. <laughs> right? Like, hot girl summer is just like a sad girl summer the, the next morning. Oh, totally. So I think it's important to just know that both can exist. Hot, sad girl summer. Yes, hot, sad girl summer. Oh my God, I'm going to have a hot, sad girl summer. It's happening right now. (laughs) I'm here for it. The other check-in that we should probably do is to let the gazers know that in some ways this is like our anniversary episode. Yeah, hi. It's our three-year anniversary. Yeah, it happened during Mercury Retrograde, so Mm -hmm. of course it's happening late. But this podcast has been coming to you live, not live, (laughs) (laughs) has been coming to you a week after we record it for three years now. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild, babies? So if you've been here from the beginning, 
We honor you. We really honor you. Thank you so much for gazing your way with us yes. these last three years. Yes. You're crazy, but you're beautiful. And we've just begun. We you have. Know? Three creates the triangle, which is, you know, a foundation mm. on which we'll build the pyramids of the spiritual gaze. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it is really beautiful. We've had so many, like, amazing talks. And and honestly, this third year this has been, like, so cool because I feel like we've, like, been in more communion with our community than ever before. Well, and that's the most rewarding thing to me. Yeah, like, we know so many of you now, which is so cool. So, you know. Yeah, and we're obsessed with so many of you. We talked about, there was that time, I remember I talked to you about the romper room with the mirror where, like, do you remember this? Where it was, like, the show that I watched when I was, like, two years old, three years old. And, like, at the end of the show, she would, like, hold up the mirror and be like, I see you, Jan and yeah, yeah, yeah. Lana yeah. and, like, all the names of the kids that, had like, their parents had sent in their names. Uh-huh. I always feel like I want to be like, I see you. Taylor and Laura and Salida. Oh. <laughs> just like Valerie. Just like all our peeps I out know. there who we get to see. Gorgeous Jessica Cabs. But all of you really, like, if you're listening, you're part of our fam and we appreciate you. And I'll just say, if you are listening and part of our fam and you've never left us a review, <laughs> now would be a great time. Yeah. Why not? Why not, y'all? And it's also, I just want to point out, because it is a thing, it is pride season, and we kind of missed, like, kind of being a part of pride season. We literally have, like, gay in our title. True. And, you know, so to our LGBTQ fam listeners, like... Happy Pride, but I mean, you should know that like as Pride season happens all year here. It happens every hour on the hour, 24, 7, 3, 6, 5. Yeah. So it's valuable to have this month where like all of like the cishet world like says, hey, we see you, um, you know, and, and you know, we, we recognize that your existence, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like we recognize your existence all the damn time and we recognize our own existence all the damn time queer as fuck till we die and if you are not in the queer fam you know send some love to your queer friends and family in your lives let them know directly hey i see you i love you i support you you know how are you i'll venmo you 20 dollars. you know something that just like lets them know that they are supported so because i'll tell you it ain't easy being queer in this world. Brandon and I were in San Diego and we're literally getting the word faggots yelled out the window at us. Yeah, at Moonlight Beach in Encinitas. Yeah, and I'm just like, I mean, I, at this point, I'm like... Where haven't I been called a faggot is really my... Exactly, and it's like, it is what it is. It's happened like a block from my old, you know, when we used to live in Los Feliz, it happened a block from my house. But like... At the end of the day, it's like, this is shit that we fucking have to live with. Like, like we have to you know, think about the fact that like if we're holding hands, walking through a fucking parking lot at a beach, like people are going to like throw hatred our way. And it's not fun. It's, it's not enjoyable. So anyone who's like an other out there, we see you, we feel you. We know that like living in this crazy world comes with like a whole extra layer of like a little bit of fear and like frustration and we know it and we honor it and we respect it and we support y'all and um don't let it diminish your shine no shine never brighter. never never shine brighter babies yes 
All right. Well, it's we been are a just... heavy check-in. <laughs> so we're going to lighten it up. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you'll be interested. If not, you can skip ahead to the Cosmic Update we'll be doing as our third segment today. Exactly. But for now, how could we not give you all a generous dose dose of of reality? I just want to cut to the chase and start with The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I actually want to start by saying, like, how amused I was at the fact that Kyle Richards brought up Mercury Retrograde on this last episode. And then all the women had a conversation about Mercury Retrograde and they were like, oh, I totally believe in it. And oh yeah, like I always ask, like, is that what's going on right now? But I just like enjoy like having my housewives like sprinkle in like a little bit of astrology talk. It makes me happy. Yeah, no, it made me happy too. What else made you happy about it? (laughs) You know... How are you feeling about the Erica Jane of it all? What makes me happy is that I don't always think you get to see karma play out in real time. Whoa, she's really about to open the library. And I think Erica Jane is a nasty girl. Okay, everyone, take a seat. I do. I don't think she radiates love and positivity. And I think that she's getting what's coming for her. I think it's a really interesting study to see how she's choosing to navigate this in the public eye. For those of you that don't know, her right. <laughs> her estranged husband, she filed for divorce on Election Day 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, in the hopes that it would be buried in the news cycle. I think I get buried. Please. The people so, who care about how housewives have updates. Yeah. That's all they care about. Her estranged husband, Tom Girardi, has been accused of embezzling over $20 million from his clients. And he was like a personal injury attorney. So he was representing people to whom horrendous things happened, like, you know, burn victims, victims of airplane crashes. And he would take the money that he won for them. And then he would use it to support his own personal lifestyle. And he also would use it to support Erica Jane's lifestyle. Oh, yeah. So the big question is, was she aware of what was going on or how aware was she that like their millions and millions and millions of dollars was really coming to them at the expense of orphans and widows. Yeah. So that's the big question that everyone is swirling around. But I will say for those of you who are, you know, Beverly Hills housewives fans, like how frustrating it is to see Erica Jane, like, getting this just kind of really big blind support from all of the ladies who are all having the question, who are all, I'm sure, going like, did she know? Yet, Denise Richards was just, like, hung out to dry because she probably had, like, sex with Brandy Glanville and just didn't want to talk about it. And so she, you know tried to kind of lie about it and squash it, but they just like turned it into a whole storyline. Like tell the truth, tell the truth. But no one is like pressing her. I mean, here's the thing. It hasn't really come up the, you know, as of now, maybe after this comes out, we'll have seen in the episode that like, they're saying like, so like, did you know? No one's really asking the question yet. But even as of now in real time, you can see like Kyle and Dorit and Lisa Rinna, like still supporting Erica. Yeah, I mean, they're 
like I don't know what they call themselves, like Fox Force Five or something. I don't know. They have like a little. It's pack. a really good question, though. Like, if you realized your best friend was complicit right. in something really disgusting, would you be there to support them, or would you be like, "I gotta go"? You know, it's it's actually an interesting moral question, and I don't think there's a clean answer to it. No, because you reap what you sow. So if you build a very public lifestyle on the suffering of other people, eventually your own suffering is going to come in response to that. And then you have to move through that fire and maybe it grows you. I mean, maybe the evolution of Erica Jane is that she becomes like an incredible humanitarian or something. I mean, who knows what could happen here? I'm hopeful. I'll be hopeful. She's a cancer. Don't hold your breath. Look, (laughs) I always try to be hopeful for everyone in the world. For sure. For sure. We're spiritual people. You have to look hopefully toward everyone optimizing their time here. But as of right now, I'm I'm not seeing it. Not seeing it. Not seeing it. Time will tell. Time will tell. So Beverly Hills is very juicy, but then also like not that juicy because everyone's like kind of like dancing around. Exactly. There's other storylines on there, but that's the big that's the big T. Um New York Housewives has been a little paused lately. It's been paused. But uh It'll be back next week. Yeah. But I've enjoyed the new housewife, Ebony. I mean, fan favorite. Fan favorite. I mean, we were just talking about like how amazed we are at her composure. I mean, I wish I knew how to embody that composure. And somebody says it's because she's worked like in television as like a news person for so long and you just like learn how to have that composure. But the way in which she is able to just like sit there rooted, grounded, calm as just like the Ramona coaster or the Countess Luann or even being best friends with fucking maniac Leah sweet McSweeney. Yeah. It's so true. I don't know how you navigate all that. Just like yeah. balanced out. We're loving her. We're loving her generosity to like even have some of these like racial centered conversations with these incredibly privileged white ladies. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also fun to see, Sonia Morgan. No, MVP. Kind of, of show that like old schoolers. Yeah, she kind of like has shown that she's a little bit more aware and awake than we would necessarily give her credit for. Yeah, she definitely feels like she's like actually like done some of the work. Yeah. You know, that like was asked of white people and like is actually mindful of what's going on. At least what's being edited of her. This and one also isn't like giving like the Heather Thompson performance. Right. The version. performance of allyship. She's just literally. Yeah. Where she's like, you know, well, let me, you know, as quoted from white fragility, you know, like, like she's like working overtime to totally. be like, yeah. you know, Heather I Thompson's have done like the work. one Instagram away from like posting like highlighted pages of white fragility. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. She like really wants like a gold star for doing the work. And it's like, girl, that's not how it works. Yeah. But I think the other real program in the reality world that we need to talk about is RuPaul Drag Race All-Stars. Okay, good. I'm glad that's where you were headed because that's where I want to be. it is everything. It is epic. I mean, like... We've only had two episodes so far. So catch up and join us on this ride, sweet babies, because these queens are unbelievable. There's so many of them, and it was just like... And some of them I honestly didn't really remember that well. But then others... I remember and love. I mean, there are some really powerhouse queens from like for sure the the some old school days prehistoric era of RuPaul's Drag Race. 
Like Pandora Box. I mean, Pandora Box. Yada Sophia. Yada Sophia. Who just, yeah, feels like she's been around since I was born. I mean, she truly feels just like the spirit of Puerto Rico. <laughs> like, literally, she is the spirit of the island. Well, the, like, Loquita version, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like she's been around for, like, hundreds of thousands of years. Oh, my God. So glad to see her. She's been, like, giving a really great performance on all levels. Um, I know you're obsessed with Ginger Minj. I think she's just so smart. I love a really smart, really quick queen. I mean, the first mini challenge of the first episode was, you know, the library, and she won the library. And if you win reading at the library, you know you're a quick, funny queen. Yes. No, I agree with you. I like, I don't love. And like, we had a whole argument about like, you know, who's a stronger queen, Eureka or Ginger Ginger Minge, which already us pitting them against each other feels a little wrong of us because it's like they're both like of the larger they're both big they're both big plus size queens yeah but regardless i think it was because we were like talking about like them from like a comedy perspective or like a well because perspective also because you can just see that like they are looking at each other as like competition for sure it's like when i used to go out on auditions and i would like walk into the room and there would be like 12 of me in the room right you know what i mean i'd be like oh here are a bunch of like slight bearded men all going in for the same <laughs> right. role. Cool. Like you just know your competition when you see it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I will say, I do think Ginger and Eureka are different queens. For sure. Because Eureka actually gives like high fashion. Like she's really bringing looks. Whereas Ginger Minge can only bring camp looks. Yeah, those looks in that last ball situation were not Yeah, she's like inspired. resting on funny. I think she could like up the glam a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But I do just appreciate, like, how quick she is, how funny she is. Totally agree. And, like, what a talented actress she is. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, she really knows who Ginger Minj is and, like, how to bring that to every party. Completely agree. And it's also just always fun to see queens, like, evolve and just, like, be at the top of their game. Yeah. Like, you come to All Stars and you have spent so much money on those looks. Like, I can't even imagine. We were joking that they win $100,000 and it probably is what they spend just to, like, have the outfits ready to go. Yeah, they get to, like, pay off their credit cards. Yeah, that's probably it. But it's it's a hoot and a holler. It really is. And it's, like, fun to be back in that world. Miss Piggy showed up episode one, right? Or was Mm -hmm. that episode two? Episode episode one. One. Oh yeah. my god, so fun. And the challenge Big Frida. Oh, Big Frida looking who looked gorgeous. Oh my god, I know. If you haven't heard Big Frida's version of Judas, I highly recommend it. Who is your early I know it's very early, but like who are you really mm. gunning for? I don't know if I'm gunning for anyone yet, because there isn't anyone who like came in who I was like, oh my god, one of my faves ever. You know, like in the past, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, you know, like when Manila the Zon oh, showed Manila, up in the past, I was, I or Jujubee, like I was like, oh, oh my God, like one I of my all time faves. I know. So I don't really have any of those in this, in this one. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of open. My heart is open to all of these queens. Fun. I'm, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I'm excited to see who is going to continue down. I have a few who like, I don't care for that much, but I'm gonna keep that to myself for now. I think that's wise. Okay. All right. So there's so much going on in the sky. There really is. We just thought we would come in with this episode and just give y'all like a nice full-sized cosmic update. update. 
So, you know, astrology moves fast and then astrology also moves slow. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk about some of the things that are like coming up in the next couple weeks. But I think we also want to track some of these slower, longer, year-long stories that are revealing themselves more and more as we experience them in real time. One of them being the Saturn-Uranus square, which you've probably heard us talk about, which is kind of the astrological feature of 2021. Right. Because it happens three times. And we just had the second of these three hits. And I wanted to talk, if I may, about Saturn and Uranus and what I think the invitation might be and how it's playing out. Can I give a little? Yeah, please. Okay, cool. So Saturn, which we know is the planet of responsibility and hard work and discipline, and in some ways also known as like the Lord of Karma, sitting in Aquarius has really forced us to look at how we engage with the collective because Aquarius is the sign of humanity. And in Aquarius, we understand that we are all deeply interconnected. So part of that happened through COVID, understanding that like the way I breathe affects the way that you breathe. We're also understanding this in terms of just like social responsibility and social justice, which is happening. And we're also seeing it in terms of like social isolation and taking responsibility for yourself. So that's that Saturn piece. And Saturn just recently stationed and is now retrograde and will be retrograde until I think October. And so... When Saturn stations and starts to move backwards, it can sometimes feel like regression. It can sometimes feel like a really good time to relapse. Not that there's ever a good time to relapse, but like this is when it could happen. And we all might be feeling that like some of the advancements that we made are actually being rolled back. And that's true, but it's also just a little bit of you know, three steps backwards, six steps forwards. And so I just wanted to talk about that. Um, But Saturn in Aquarius isn't alone, right? Saturn in Aquarius is having this long conversation with Uranus and Taurus. And so Uranus is forcing us to change. And Uranus is not retrograde. So Uranus and Taurus is saying like, the change keeps moving forwards. You can't stop it. You can't slow it down. And the change is not just happening inside of ourselves, but it's in Taurus and Earth sign. The change is happening all around us. This planet is changing. The way in which we engage with each other is changing. Culture is changing. And so there's this instability that we feel with Uranus and Taurus. And then Saturn in Aquarius retrograde is kind of forcing us to look at where maybe some of the changes we had made, the responsibilities we had picked up the mantle of, are not actually supporting these shifts. So they're creating a square, which I think should be called a corner, because that's what they do. They create this 90-degree angle, and they're cornering each other. And I was talking to Angel about one way in which I'm experiencing this energy is that you can change your outer behavior, but if the core is still the same, you haven't actually changed anything. And the way I would talk about this is, and this is just one kind of general example, but if the way in which you approach yourself is abusive... So like if you're abusing yourself through like drugs or alcohol or, you know, binge eating or whatever, and then you decide that you're going to like get really healthy and you abuse yourself through like really destructive physical practice, like eating disorders or just like beating yourself up at the gym or things of that nature, like you're doing the opposite, right? But it's basically the same thing. The core is the same. And so Saturn's retrograde is forcing us to explore whether or not we're actually just doing the same thing in a different wig. And it's all in response to this Uranus and Taurus energy that's actually 
at this current moment sitting with Ceres. So Angel was having some mom stuff come up. I'm obviously having some mom stuff come up. I've had some other people tell me that there's mom stuff coming up. If you hear something three times as an astrologer, you can't help but go like, okay, what's going on? So Ceres is an asteroid or actually a dwarf planet. In some in some uh, astronomical circles, it's believed that Ceres was the core of the planet that actually became all the other asteroids. That like once she was a planet and now. The mother. Exactly. So Ceres was the mother of Persephone, who is abducted and raped by Hades, take down into the underworld. And so Ceres is this energy of, of motherhood, but also um, an agriculture and food, but also in some ways like what is taken from us as well. And you can see that. There's a lot of people feeling like something's been taken from me. 2020 was taken from me. But also that we are reestablishing our relationship with our mother. And so we're seeing that in real time with our own moms, perhaps, but also with our mom, the planet, in Taurus. And then, of course, with your own inner maternal principle. So the way in which we mother ourselves is cornering the way in which we take harsh responsibility for who we're going to be in the world, for our part in the collective. But then this story keeps continuing because there's another square that's happening, which is in Leo as planets start to move through Leo season. And so they're going to spark the Uranus and the Saturn. And Leo is your personal place. Leo's like, what the fuck are you going to do about it, right? In Aquarius, it's an air sign. It's about ideas. It's about understanding. It's about having an intellectual comprehension that we're all connected, but you don't necessarily do anything about it, right? And then Leo's where you actually have to make a move because Leo is you in your life. And then the last piece of this is Scorpio and the summer solstice or the winter solstice started with a moon in Scorpio. And so what that means is that for the next three months, for this, for this season, whether it's summer or winter, there's an honorary Scorpio moon that's happening in the sky as well, which again, just keeps sending home the point like, are you transforming? Are you rooting deeply into your psychology and pulling out the things that have been blocking you, the things that are preventing you from actually changing? Because I think what we are seeing is two schools of thought, right? There are the people that are just desperate to get back to normal, the people that just like want to get back out in the world. And then there are the people who understand that something is broken that can never be fixed. And we have to reconcile with that. And I think that's what we're seeing. And there's going to be this third square between Saturn and Uranus in December, it's actually on Christmas Eve, which I think is some interesting timing. And to me, the invitation is really about how hard are you willing to work for the new life and the new world that you want to live in? Or are you just going to take the easy way out? Yeah, I'm definitely resonating with the whole notion of just like, what are you going to do about it? You know, like what move are you going to make? How you were talking about like in reference to Leo. Um are particularly around this this corner, you know, it's occurring with Uranus, Saturn, and then obviously, yeah, all of the um, now uh, aspects that are going to be made from from Mars and Leo and uh, Venus, Venus, and eventually the, the sun, sun later this summer, um, and Mercury, and Mercury, yeah. exactly. Yeah, there's so much of it, and I think. Like that first square that, you know, that hit at the beginning of the year was very much the like, here's the change that needs to happen. You know, here's the change that you've been feeling like 
Last year, we saw the structures that were broken. We saw the parts of our life that were broken. We kind of moved out of them. You know, we moved out of the house. And now it's like, okay, now I'm, now I'm in this new place. But something needs to change. And I felt like this first six months of the year were kind of like, all right, we're taking some steps. We're engaging in some of the process. But, you know, I think this second square, this June, was really a lot about like, all right, now it's time to make a move. Now it's time to actually like step forward to actually see an, a physical change occur in our lives, you know? And, and I think that that is why, you know, we, I, we had talked a while back and I, I know and about Saturn and how I actually do think Saturn is a bit of a change agent when it comes to astrology because Saturn, but Saturn really activates like in the tangible world. You know, Saturn's like, you need to take responsibility for this. And when you do, you make a change. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really like what's occurring right now is that we're all really having to kind of like actually like step into the responsible shift that needs to occur. Mm -hmm. And it becomes and it comes with, you know, integrating all that we've learned over the last few months, but then also like adjusting. And I think that's the retrograde energy of Saturn that comes between now and October, it's like, all right, let's look at this as like adjustments so much as like, you know, massive changes. Like, all right, now I have to adjust to being in this new neighborhood or I have to adjust to being in this new career that I've now committed to or in this new home or with in this new relationship, all of these things. And like how we're like allowing ourselves to adjust ultimately like, creates the transformation that Scorpio is swirling around us. It's so true. It's like really good plastic surgery. <laughs> you have to do it in phases, you know? Oh my God. You have to like do, you know, the first part and then like let it settle. And then you can do a little bit more and let that settle. And then like a year later, everyone's like, wow, you look amazing. And you're like, thanks. I've been taking vitamins. Is that what you told people? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sorry. We're we not talking about that in public. No, no please. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Brandon had a full face. Of I face. wish. So I that's why we were actually gone yeah, for a month. I was guys. having to settle. This <laughs> is recovering. No, but I think it's all about phases or like when you're remodeling a house, right? Like or a face or a face. Well, right. You know, you do things in phases, phase one, phase two, phase three. So yeah, you know, the big change was in January and now we are integrating that change. And then there'll be another big change, but too much change. It's like when I broke my nose five days before I was supposed to get an actual nose job. Right. And the doctor said, you've done too much damage to the bone. I can't do anything because the bone's already been traumatized enough, you know, which was devastating. But also I respected it because my nose would have fallen in on itself. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That sounds intense. Saturn, you know, Saturn. Uh, so that's happening. That is happening. There's also, you know, all this Pisces energy still happening, right? We've got Jupiter in Pisces still until the end of July, and we've got Neptune in Pisces. Neptune's been in Pisces for a while, but I do think that Jupiter's, you know, Jupiter is like a bright light and, and Neptune can, can hide. And I think with Jupiter in Pisces, all of a sudden the Neptune energy is being revealed 
And Neptune energy can be about spirituality and prayer and mysticism and also about delusion. And I've also been thinking about the vaccine as like a very Neptune and Jupiter and Pisces thing. Because I do think while the vaccine is amazing and we are vaccinated and we fully support vaccination, that's where we are at. Um, there's a lot of delusion around what the vaccine actually does. Like, it's not a magic bullet, you know? It doesn't change our need to be aware of the virus. Right. And so I think whether or not you're delusional because you think the vaccine is some form of mind control or you're delusional because you think the vaccine is going to allow us to go back to normal, there is this Neptune in Pisces energy where we're all a little bit deluded. You know, we're all a little too stuck in the dream. Ideally, we could all just kind of get to a place where we're like, all right, we're all just like fucking spiritual beings here. And let's just like honor each other as like souls trying to maneuver through this life experience and like really get sensitive to what we're all going through and experiencing. And that doesn't really entirely happen. Yeah. And I talk about some of this Pisces energy, particularly Jupiter in Pisces, because it's part of the longer story, because Jupiter's retrograde as well, going to dip out of Pisces and back into Aquarius for the back half of this year. But by the time Jupiter returns to those early degrees of Pisces in January, Jupiter's going to be squaring the nodes, the nodes mm. of fate. Mm -hmm. And so what you're talking about coming from a deep soul level, which is what Pisces is really inviting us into, right? right. Like the real delusion is that we're these like independent little bodies that we're not part of some larger story, right? The real delusion is like that we forget we're these like spiritual beings having this much deeper right. experience. And so I think what we're building towards is that square. And when Jupiter and Pisces squares, you know, it's, it's at zero degrees, um, squaring the North Node in Gemini and the South Node in Sagittarius, I think it's also an understanding of like the faded paths that we're going to walk based on the choices that we make from a spiritual place. Right. Because the nodes affect us all. The nodes are where we're heading. And that North Node in Gemini, it's the last moment before it moves into Taurus, which is going to be a whole different story. And so to me, zero degree Gemini North Node is like, okay, like a new personal story that's informed by my understanding that we are all connected in a deep unconscious collective way. Right. Yeah. And that's, to me, like, that's the foundation for the new world that we need. Because I'm not saying, like, don't be yourself and don't be authentic and don't, like, celebrate your uniqueness, because I am. But I think, I don't know, I just think that we're seeing how dangerous and limited this this way of being where it's like, it's just me and I've got to go it alone. And it's, it, it just doesn't work anymore. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I understand. There's like an ego underneath that. But at the same time, yeah, I think it is important to, to put yourself out there and to, yeah. Own. Yeah, but just be aware of your wake. For sure. Just be aware of your wake that like whatever you're doing is going to have consequences to other people gonna have consequences to the planet well that's the leo aquarius polarity right like leo is like i'm a shining star inspiring you to be a shining star in your own way like i'm a shining star amongst a constellation of other stars right like that's that highest vibration and together we make a beautiful image 
But that lower vibration is like, I'm the brightest star in the sky. Look at me. So I think, yeah, it's about that. Well, yeah, and it's interesting to me because like it takes me back to Erica Jane, honestly, <laughs> which is like at any cost, right? Like I'm totally impressed that she wanted so badly to like be known and to like be a pop star and to like create her like 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 that's impressive her tenacity and like resilience to like make that happen but it was at any cost she wasn't aware of her wake and right. so you can have a dream you can have a goal you can want to achieve something out of your life but you have to be aware of how you're going about getting it yeah for sure and i think like that's a very particularly American concept, you know, like where we go out and we conquer, it's like the wild West. I'm going to like, you know, strike it rich and it doesn't matter, you know, like who I'm taking these riches from. Yeah, no, completely. And so I think that is even just useful in the space we're in. If you're living in a city or a, an environment where things are fully back open and you can like go back out into spaces and you feel confident and comfortable and you've done it a bunch of times, but you're engaging with someone either for the first time or even someone, you know, who's there. You don't know if they're coming in with the same enthusiasm or comfortability level that you are. So it's just being aware that like, all right, we just went through this traumatic experience that this person, this might be their very first time engaging in a large group of people in an indoor public space, you know, like, so just being mindful of it, right? That like, okay, let me still give you your space perhaps, you know, like, let me not just like immediately try to kiss you on the mouth. Unless that's what they want. Unless there is Unless they're consent. like living their hot, sad girl summer fantasy. <laughs> so that's the cosmic update, kitty cats. That's it. So we hope that uh, offered you some valuable just insights, some tools to take with you for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And if you are a little astro baby, um, you know, remember that where all these planets are in your own chart, right? Like plugging Jupiter, plugging Saturn, plugging Uranus, plugging the nodes into your own chart and seeing like, oh, what house is this activating? Maybe you have planets there. So that helps to personalize, you know, how all of this energy right. is really wanting you to embrace it. Um, all righty. Shall we do... Uh little tarot card action let's do it yeah let's ground this in a little message for you all so just take a moment drop in gather yourself up from wherever you might have been and just connect to the cards by listening in to the sound of them being shuffled And just trusting that this message will resonate for you no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. It's the moon. Oh. I'm so glad the moon just showed up, actually, because I was thinking about Jupiter in Pisces, and I was thinking about how that's like the wheel of fortune in the moon. Because Jupiter is connected to the Wheel of Fortune, which is all about change and expansion and abundance. And the moon is connected to Pisces. The moon is strangeness. The moon is spiritual, the invisible. And so the moon asks us to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. 
the moon asks us to partner with the unknown, to trust the unknown, and that there can be great change available for us in that. Um, so I'm talking about the moon, but I'm also talking about the wheel of fortune in the moon, which is that there is tremendous abundance and expansion and growth available when we move into those hidden aspects of our life. You know, the sun gets a lot of attention because she's bright, she's shiny, but the moon is just as valuable. And in some ways, the moon is even more important because the moon is closer to us than the sun. The moon really moves us all. And so I would just say cancer season as the first water sign of the zodiac is always a tremendously intuitive and emotional time. And it can sometimes feel like a rude awakening from all of like the chatty, busy, intellectual fun that Gemini season can provide, even though it was eclipse season. So I don't know like how fun it was, but all of a sudden you're kind of plunged into your own depths and that's the moon. So be gentle with yourself, be soft with yourself, but also be firm in terms of how you in some ways almost force yourself to face what needs to be felt. And you might notice that there is still this like backlog of emotions. If you've been hearing my voice on this episode, I'm not sick. I just screamed myself hoarse during breath work earlier today because I too have a backlog of emotions, things that need to be released and expressed. And where we're blocked emotionally is also where we're blocked intuitively. And what's interesting is all of this Pisces energy is trying to get us possibly, to trust our own intuition, to not trust these larger institutions, to not trust what other people say to do, but to really trust our own core truth. And the only way you can get there is to grow your roots deep into the unknown and then find the truth for yourself. So this is a, you know, a really good week or two to return to the water of your life to bathe in the waters of your heart. And in those waters, you might find tremendous insights. You might receive some pretty powerful downloads. Or you might just remember parts of yourself that haven't been felt in a really long time. And you'll need them moving forwards. So apropos, given that it's cancer season to pull the moon, it's ruler. And it really is like the first of the three witchy seasons that we get, you know, you get Scorpio and then Pisces later on. And those two tend to get more of the like witchy spiritual association, but cancer, she is just as witchy and uh, just as spiritual. So turning within to tap into your own stuff like that is really valuable right now. Yeah. Build an altar at home, mm -hmm. figure out what your own witchy practices are and root in. Yeah. Um, all right, y'all. Well, we're glad to be back. We're excited. We're we hope you're gonna... glad to have us back. <laughs> yeah, we definitely um, are planning some fun uh, shows coming up and um, certainly some stuff that will engage you directly as well, which we're looking forward to. Um, as always, you can find us at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram, Spiritual Gaze on Twitter, The Spiritual Gaze on Facebook, uh, or at thespiritualgaze.com. And as Brandon said, you can always feel free to leave us a review and a gorgeous five-star rating. Share us with your friend. Share us with your family. Share yeah. us with your publicist. Let the people know we're here. 
Come out to them as a gazer, as a queeler. Own it. Own your truth. Until next time, we love you. This has been your transit through the spiritual game.